Hey, people, listen up. It's a fucking lockdown right oh, now. Come off it. We're well, not in a prison drama, are we? Three and five percent, rather, of uh, people in London could be affected outside of London. If I get corona, I get corona. At the end of the day, I'm not going to want to stop me from partying. You know, President Trump now says he wants to reopen the country for business by Easter. So if we get it, we don't actually care. We've had our lives. And perhaps you could sort of take it on the chin, take it all in one in one go. Hello and welcome to ACFM, the home of the weird left. My name's Keir Milburn and today I'm joined as usual by my my uh, lockdown friend Jeremy Gilbert. Hello. And my suburban friend Nadia Idle. Hello. And today we're talking about acid lockdown. <laughs> Nadia, uh, I believe you have a public service announcement you'd like to share with us. We interrupt our programme to bring you this important message. Um, Yes, that's right. Before we start discussing um, the crazy world we find ourselves in, um, how we've been feeling and what we think about, um, there's a couple of things that I want to say. So because the government has fucked up royally on communication around uh, COVID-19 and the threat, and because there are still people having house parties and hanging out with their mates, um, I just want to do this quick public service announcement, because unless you are some kind of deep green Malthusian environmentalists that wants all humans to die, in which case you shouldn't be listening to this show anyway, then this applies to you. Not just others, it applies to you. And the reasoning for what I'm about to say is, A, I'm a human being and I care about other human beings and I don't want people to die. But secondly, I have a quote-unquote minor, sorry, I went to a liberal arts uh, university, (laughs) American liberal arts, so I have a minor in cell, cell biology and genetics, so I do understand the basic science and immunology around this. So uh, I do know a little bit about what I'm talking about. So this is it. With the best and best and properly funded healthcare system to stop the spread of COVID-19 and the death of thousands of people, absolutely everyone, and that means you, listener, needs to do two things. One, keep physically distant from as many human beings as possible. And two, wash your hands and minimise touching your face. On number one about keeping distant from human beings, COVID doesn't care about your values or whether you're a leftist or whether you have polyamorous sexual needs. No household mixing should occur. That means that if you've got mates living in one house or a lover or a partner in another house, you should not be seeing each other. The exception to that is if you have children under 18, if you're an NHS worker or a carer. So I'm sorry, but this is not the time to be hanging out with your mates and people who you love. And secondly, in terms of hand washing, this is not just some kind of random thing that's being said. Um, The lipid on the end, that's the kind of fatty substance on the end of... COVID-19 is actually destroyed by soap. And so it's really, really important to wash your hands and to wash your hands properly because uh, viruses like COVID enter your body via your nose, mouth um, and your eyes. 
So this is not just about whether you're worried about getting infected or not. Um, it's about the fact that you could touch a surface uh, outside Sainsbury's. You come home, you put it on, a, you, then you touch a doorknob, and then someone in your house then touches that doorknob, goes out to deliver groceries to your elderly neighbour. They touch the plastic bag, they get it, and they die. So this is really, really, really serious stuff. If anyone is interested in the science, there's an excellent piece um, on how the coronavirus hijacks uh, your cells, which we'll put a link to if people are interested, which is by the, the, the New York Times. So finally, um, I know this is not the usual thing we talk about on this show, but this is really, really serious and it's really, really hard. It's really hard for people like us to be staying away from other human beings. But your test, the test of your sociality and care to others is going to be about how antisocial you can be with your body and how hygienic you can be with your hands. So do it now. That's it. Done. Okay, good. Thanks. <laughs> um, yeah, so we should probably start off by talking about, um, you know, talking about... Uh, just what a weird situation we're in, just how much has massively changed in the last two weeks. Uh, uh, yeah, two weeks, basically, it's been, isn't it? Um, I, I don't know, but when do you start counting? This is the thing. It's come to different people. It's landed with different people at different times. Yeah. I think it's two, it is a, it's about two weeks since it was clear that we were in a major situation. Yeah. Isn't it? It's two, like, it's, like, you know, I was in the state, I was, and it's sort of, I think it's yeah, two weeks course. since it, it was two weeks since it was clear I had to come home, like, as soon as possible, I think. So for most people in the UK, I think about two weeks. But yeah, you're right. I mean, the, and the whole, the whole, I mean, one of the, what, one of the weird things about it is the way it's affecting our experience of space and time, isn't it? I guess. Yeah, quite a few people have said, um, when will this Christmas week end? Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, for some of us who are locked away from our cheeses, uh, you know, this is like a Christmas <laughs> cheese, Chris, Christmas week with no cheese, you know, it's like the worst sort of Christmas week. Well, as I said, Ski, I've overstocked on cheese, so I'm sending you an emergency care package. <laughs> 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 so, how, well, how have you been feeling? How, I mean, how have you been experiencing it then, to begin with? You two. I mean, for me, it kind of feels like it is, well, one, I've never been on so many Zoom meetings in my fucking life, because let me tell you, like, all of my socialising is taking place online. Um, so I'm suddenly in the situation where I'm in touch with a lot of people I care about a lot more, which, to be honest, is, I tell you how I can summarise it, it is an exaggeration of my normal day to day and what I mean by that is like I live alone and I've not touched another human being since that weekend that I saw Kia which is the beginning of March in Leeds so for the minority of us who live alone we're now in a situation where we're even more alone and if you have not chosen to live alone then that is going to make things a lot more difficult which we can obviously like there's loads of emotional difficulty around this um but how I've been experiencing it, I mean, I've got like 20 spinach plants be, be growing on my windowsill. I, I didn't foresee that coming. <laughs> um, I've, I, I just feel like, I feel like I've got an advantage of not being like a teenager or in my 20s because I'm, I feel like I'm playing a long game. I'm trying to deal with this by going, right, what are the things that I... 
for lack of a better word, want to achieve in this time? Like, can I come out the other end speaking Spanish? Like, can I come up the other end, like, with a third draft of my novel? Like, those are the ways that I'm trying to impose control. I'm actually extremely busy, even though I'm at home. Um, but I don't know, maybe when you guys start speaking, I'll be able to like, engage with this emotionally. I have had, as everybody has had, like, a few wobbles but I'm keeping myself very busy mentally and, fi and physically. Um, I just feel like there's, this is completely unprecedented. There is no way when, when I was telling people in December, when we were recording the post-election uh, come down, when I was telling people, take drugs, have lots of sex and go for long walks, that that would be some kind of premonition <laughs> that they won't be able to do that on this part of the year. So... Yeah, that's, I just couldn't have believed that we, any, you just can't believe that it's actually happening. It feels like a nightmare, but also an opportunity. There is a sort of sense of unreality to it, which is sort of fading a little bit as we settle in. Like, that Christmas week thing is not really a joke, because that's one of the only sort of like times when you when you, you feel this unreality. Do you know what I mean? This sort of, um, the suspension of normal life to a certain degree, which is sort of interesting, you know, that, you know, when we when we come to think about what all this means, you know, having for quite a lot of people, their work is suspended or or dis or disjointed. Um, you know, and you're stepping outside your habitual patterns. That does give you a little chance to think about things differently. Um, you know, definitely in my household, we've we're having a totally different relationship to food. You know, it's all about you know what's what 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 might be on the turn that we have to use now, etc. Um, you know, which are sort of good things in a way. Um, I actually had, I've actually had a virus, which probably isn't COVID-19, I think, but I had like two weeks of a virus just after I met Nadia, actually. Mm, <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, uh, so it's, it, and, and that's come and gone, which is a little bit odd to be, to be having a high temperature when you're in a sort of pandemic panic. But my, my, general, my general way that I cope with all of these things is to... You know, basically, or my, the way I sort of try and gain some control over it is that by analysing it and thinking about what it means, et cetera, et cetera, um, which has taken up quite a lot of my time. Uh, I spent the first week absolutely addicted to 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 um, Twitter and the news and trying to work out what was going on. And in part, that's because things were just moving so quickly, you know, not just we haven't just got a pa pandemic, of course, we've got, you know, a economic collapse, which would probably be of a scale, at least initially, greater than the 1930s, which is something which is really hard to get our heads around. Um, and we've also got, you know, the, the breakdown of what was this, what seemed like an ironclad political common sense about what it was possible to do in terms of policy, etc. So all of these things are just shifting, and they, were, they all seem to be shifting in the first week, which, which just meant, uh, added to this whole sense of unreality. The doors are wide open in all sorts of ways. Yeah, and it is it, it is specifically the suspension of normal capitalism. I mean, that's what suspend. I mean, that's partly anyway. Yeah, you know that that. I mean, it's sort of. I think it's funny. I mean, it's funny because people keep commenting. I keep hearing people say, "Oh, I'm kind of enjoying it," as if that's really surprising. And I would say, well, from our point of view, it's not at all surprising that you know work is. We've suspended the basic. The, you know, the basic infrastructure of capitalist social relations, you know, people aren't going to work. Instead, they get in, instead the government's pay, you know, paying for them. 
you know, that's obviously that is going to feel sort of, you know, it's going to feel sort of utopian in certain ways. So there's also the business of having to do everything online. And, but obviously there is, you know, in terms of our relationship to time and, you know, it is sort of, you know, that the suspension of capital, the fact that the suspension of capitalism feels sort of liberating isn't at all surprising to us. I mean, it's what we would ex- expect, I guess. And I, I also think there's this sense that, I haven't really seen anyone else quite comment on it. I'm sure other people have because it seems obvious. But it's also the sense that, you know, everyone is sort of inhabiting the, t- the same time in a way that we don't normally these days. I mean, it's, it's, you know, it's a cliche of sort of cultural and media commentary that, you know, in the sort of golden age of, you know, mass democracy and mass culture in the mid-20th century, you know, everybody went to the same movies at the weekend, like everybody, yeah. you know, everybody watched the same TV, you know, and it's a cliche now, like they're trying to explain to little kids, like what it meant that your programme was on telly at one time a week and everyone either watched it then or you missed it. Like they they oh, literally... this is they, a really good they point. Can't, can't get, they can't get their heads around it. And, and we're, but we're all sort of back in that, at the moment, we're all in that in sort of simultaneous time. So even though we're not we're not together physically, the sense of a, a kind of shared experience and a sort of shared culture is suddenly like really, really robust. And I, and it is. And I, and I wrote, I wrote this, I wrote about this in my blog piece, but I think you've just articulated it much better with that example, actually about TV shows that I think like after the election, I felt like I was sharing this experience of how we felt with probably about, you know, 7,000 people, but now it's 7 billion. It's like not a joke that everyone is experiencing this same relationship to everything changing. Like everyone in the world, there's not one person, unless apparently you're in the moon or you're in the Big Brother house or something, of people who still don't know that this is happening, <laughs> or the space station <laughs> or whatever. Apparently there's some groups, but... But this this feeling of like everything is suspended and, and there's power in that because I can speak to, I mean, I don't want to take up time talking about this, but I've organised my street and I've organised my street and I was shitting myself. And now we've got this incredible like like email list with, with people on my street, which I've been thought I'd never be able to talk to because they're conservative small c. And now we're all helping each other out because shit is going down and people can't get eggs. So is that part of the mutual aid network? No, no. Is it just separate? No, I've not engaged with that, I think, uh, for various different reasons. This is not a critique of it. I I want to stay offline. I get addicted to social media pretty quickly, which is something that I've written about. And I, I know that the only way that I can engage with a lot of things is online because I live alone. Um, but I spend a very minimal amount of my time online if I'm not chatting to other people now and I can't quite engage with the big stuff because it requires to me to read a lot of things on Facebook just being completely honest and I thought it more important to organize my street because there's a lot of old vulnerable and self-isolating people here so that's the thing that I've done for the yeah, moment no that's interesting well Kira, have you done have you been engaged in the mutual aid group I haven't no because I've been we've been self isolating because I had yeah, that virus. Yeah, right. So uh, uh, um, and my partner Alice is in uh, quite a high risk uh, thing. So we went across and asked one of the old neighbours, one of the older people, uh, one of our older neighbours rather. Um, but they were fine. But so I, not, so I haven't I've been I haven't been uh, engaged in that. But like one of, just to come back to the um, 
to this idea that because that is one of the weird things that if this is a global event, um, but I think it's only something like thirty percent of the global population live in states which have ordered sort of some level of social distancing or lockdown. Serious. So most of the oh world God, is actually. Yeah, yeah. So most of the world is actually carrying on relatively as normal. I mean, we will like that. That's what 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 really worries me is is this pandemic exploding into you know the huge urban sprawl of uh, Africa or something like that. We don't know what 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 relationship it has to temperature. So like high temperatures seem to slow the spread. I think, but like you know, there are lots of there are lots of parts of the world where social distancing is much less of a realistic prospect than for most of the UK, for instance. So we are we are, we are having a sort of common experience, but in under different circumstances. So you know, I, 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 you know, in my house we can sort of so socially isolate relatively easily, whereas other people are, it is much much more difficult. I think. Do, do you mean from each other in one household, or do you mean isolate as a household away from everyone else? Isolate as a isolate as a household. Yeah. Right, and and, and we should mention that just the terms social distancing, which I have a massive critique of, which I think I'm going to write an article about, um, but social distancing and self-isolation, I mean, these are terms that now everyone is using in the UK and they've like dropped into like our vocabulary as if it's, as if it's yeah. normal. It just made me think, wow, how do human beings adapt? Like I've, I've adapted to the fact that I can't see people in person and I've adapted to the fact that I'm using this language. I just think it's, 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 it's incredible and bizarre. And I'm observing it also with a level of kind of spiritual curiosity, I have to say, apart from like as a, uh, as a, as a lefty. Definitely there's, a, there's part of me that's like, wow, these are, these are interesting times. I mean, it does prove, though, that all of the zombie films were rubbish. Because <laughs> this is sort of what they were about. <laughs> And that, like the fact that we'd all turn into like Mad Max type, <laughs> yeah, like, like bands shooting each other. No, actually, in disasters, people behave in a very pro-social way and automatically look to see if they can help each other. Well, that's an interesting point, and at that point has been made. I've been seeing that made by lots of commentators, both but lefties and sort of anti-liberal Tories. And it's interesting that because actually that you know that imaginary which assumes that you know in the state of nature we're all going to try and kill each other you know and if you underneath the surface of civilization like we're all just waiting to you know go on a violent rampage i mean i you know i mean you know my argument is that's basically that's integral to the kind of liberal imagination going back to the but 17th century but that's also century. bad science yeah no it's wrong of course yeah it's both materially wrong but it's it's specifically sort of liberalism that it's it's fundamental to the imagination of, I think. And it's interesting, I mean, I mean, one, politically, you know, what, what all this presents a massive crisis for is, is liberalism and, and its neo neoliberal variants. Mm. And it's sort of, you know, it's creating a political opportunity both for, for sort of authoritarian but paternalistic conservatism, and, you know, and, <clears throat> and for various kinds of, like, communal, you know, communitarianism, socialism, even, <clears throat> even anarchism with a kind of extraordinary event of a national network of community uh, you know community groups taking the putting the word phrase mutual aid in their title <coughs> which is just it's something with so it's creating all these kind of opportunities actually should we say something about mutual aid because i just think it's really where i suppose most people listening to this will probably know this but it's just sort of extraordinary that, that I mean, that's a phrase that come it's the title of a book by peter kropotkin the great anarchist 
uh, right of the late 19th century. And it's specifically an argument that the kind of social Darwinists who were interpreting Darwin's theory of evolution as, <clears throat> indeed in the terms we just described, as, as proving the kind of competition between individuals is natural. <clears throat> and Kropotkin sets out to show that this is completely wrong, that species only thrive on the basis of cooperation and always do cooperate. <clears throat> so I've got a dry throat, I've not got COVID. And um, and uh, and that's and mutual aid is like it's you know it's an anarchist slogan. Like I used to be, uh, you know, there was the anarchist centre in Liverpool when I was a kid. It was called the um, the mutual aid centre. So it's kind of extraordinary that that's become the name for this network of like mostly fairly non political kind of you know community support groups, isn't it? So I, I've got a question. I've got a question about just a quick question about the the, the, the mutual aid groups. I mean, if if one of you knows better and can des- describe them, because uh, I like it, it. Does the mutual aid groups require people to go out and 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 move around? Because that seems like I basically don't know about how it's organised. Because what what the what defeating the spread of the virus needs is for people to move the least. I mean, mostly what they're doing is they're trying to identify people who are vulnerable in the neighbourhood. And what they've done in our area is people have delivered leaflets and they've, through doors, and they've been delivered, you know, people delivering them have been gone on their own and they've had, they've worn gloves and masks and things while delivering leaflets and the leaflets are giving people a contact number to contact to if they're vulnerable and then if people are vulnerable if people need shopping done or they need somebody to talk to if they need somebody to talk to then somebody will phone them up if they need shopping done then people will uh, do i've been finding ways to do the shopping kind of yeah. individually and, and leaving it on the doorstep so no people people are definitely people are not congregating they've basically been trying to support the um you know they've just been trying to support vulnerable people locally I mean, my understanding is that, you know, here, my understanding is that, that they've been very, the character of them has been very different in different places. And I keep hearing from people in places like sort of Lewisham and Hackney, there's massive political rows going on within the sort of WhatsApp groups. I mean, you know, our, uh, I, I think even in other parts, I mean, in my part of Walthamstow, which is sort of up, you know, the I just did do an eye roll, by the way. Yeah, Sorry. it's just, I just you hate know. that shit. I hate it. And people should not be organising on WhatsApp in that way it doesn't work no sure well i think i mean in my, but my one locally hasn't had any of that my one has just seemed to have been very very efficient means of kind of making sure that vulnerable people were you know looked after and also you know it being the kind of area that it is my impression is there's been there was like three times as many people wanting to help as as anybody could identify as, as vulnerable and in need of help which is i guess you know it's probably not the case out out in those parts of the country where we the left is so weak it's probably not the case that there's you know loads of people wanting to help and not enough people needing help but um i don't know and, i think it's been quite widespread there's like two two and a half million people joined in the joined up in on facebook so that's yeah maybe you're right yeah i guess you i guess you i guess probably you're right i mean it's i mean, been, I mean there's, just no, just to follow your the, the point you were on about earlier about you know the, it confounding the 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 precepts of of liberalism like you could go a step further because that idea that like we we would in a state of nature we'd all be in a war against all of all against all um you know goes back to Hobbes who was talking about just after the the, the English Civil War of course and like you know that's his argument for having a sovereign you know only only by having a sovereign can we can we uh, avoid this war against, of all against all? And in fact, it was the opposite. It was those mutual aid groups sprung up because our sovereign 
Boris Johnson was absolutely useless, basically. It was a million miles behind the pace. Do you know what I mean? So people basically stepped up and started self-isolating before they were instructed to, or social distancing, sorry, before the government commanded them to, you know, the, all the sports, the sports was called off before the government, command, you know, um, commanded it, etc. So you can sort of see it confounds it in that way. One of the other things I found really interesting as well in the early days was... Um, when when you saw those people who were, who had been hoarding, suddenly became public enemies. So there was this guy in in the, I can't remember what state it was. He, uh, this guy w- drove around and bought all of the hand sanitizer in yeah, one yeah. state in the it's U.S. Flo- somewhere in Florida, then, I think. Yeah, I think it might be Florida. And he basically went and tried to sell it on eBay, and they, eBay banned it. And so he went to the press saying, "Look at how unfortunate I am." And like I can only assume that he was thinking, you know, look, I'm be I'm actually doing what you're supposed to do be entrepreneurial, etc., And then all of a sudden he was a figure of hate. Do you know what I mean? And I think it reveals that, like, like um, E.P. Thompson... It's like um, the riots about... as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But basically what I'm trying to say is that, like, underneath a market economy, there's this sort of, like, nascent moral economy that, that functions. And E.P. Thompson talks about this, about how how when market economies first got introduced, they rubbed up against this moral economy which was, you know, that people should, you should respect people and people should get what they, they want, you know, and it's all based on, like, what the expectations of a society are, you know. And th- he was using that to explain, like, all these sorts of food riots that you had in the sort of the 17th century, et cetera, which were highly moral. So, basically, people would, like, raid raid a big grain of, st- uh, a big um, grain store, take it all, sell it at what they thought the moral price was rather than the market price and give the, the moral price money back, et cetera. And you can sort of see that that, you know, the moral economy does emerge in these sorts of moments. And but yeah, but also like, uh, I mean, we should we should reference here um, the excellent article by Craig Gent on Navara um, about logistics and the individualization of blame um, around supermarkets. So that's not that's not exactly what we were talking about because what you were talking about, from my understanding, here was about. Um, someone taking sort of cap, sort of capitalist values to their logical conclusion by being an entrepreneur, but related yeah. to that is the way in the UK and the government jumped on this bandwagon as well, or, or started it as did the right wing press. This idea of like pointing fingers at people and co- saying that they're stockpiling um, for going basically for e- because everyone did a weekly shop. Like some people did, did you know buy ridiculous amounts of loo roll, but. But basically, everyone went for a weekly shop at the same time. And from from my understanding, like the way that the logistics system works with supermarkets, it's it's it. You can't do that. You it, it doesn't. The the system cannot support basically, and it calls it a run on the shops. But that's not what's happening. It is just in time logistics. So that's a really good article to read. And like why and obviously like the politics around the individualization that the, that you're pointing the fingers at people at, rather than asking why can't supermarkets supply this amount of food? Like why are there empty shelves? Like we should be demanding full shelves because there isn't a, an actual problem on the on the uh, on the umbrella level of, of supply. That's not very well articulated by me, but read the article and it makes no, more no, sense. No, it is well articulated and it is really crucial because it comes back to this issue of the, um, you know, people of living in a culture with or without kind of simultaneous time because 
The shift to just-in-time ordering is the absolutely fundamental mechanism of the shift from Fordism to post-Fordism, from the shift from, you know, the form of capitalism that prevailed in the middle decades of the 20th century up to the late 20th century, which was based on kind of mass production and mass culture, but also was the context within which it became possible for the labour movement to, you know, demand, you know, historically unprecedented reforms. The shift from that to a culture in which basically... People lived, you know, production, distribution, retail, all go on in much more complex distributed networks in which corporations disaggregate into, you know, multiple kind of companies doing specialist jobs and ultimately into, you know, sets of short-term contracts with employees rather than sort of long-term jobs for life and protected careers. All of that you know, is basically, that's the infrastructure that produces the whole culture of sort of post-modernity, of the kind of fragmented sense of culture. And, it, you know, and it, it creates all kinds of opportunities for people to live in a much less conformist culture than the, you know, the, say the culture of the 50s, but also... One of its absolutely characteristic features is the breakdown of this sense of a kind of shared of a shared culture, a shared time, and and it all and indeed in, in material terms, it absolutely depends on the idea that like rather than doing a weekly shop at the big supermarket, like you know you did when I was a kid, still in the seventies, you are more yeah you know, you're supposed to just go get a few things at Texaco Express, you know, every couple of days. Uh, and if everybody suddenly starts behaving in this co- in this co- completely kind of uniform way, then the, the entire system breaks down. I mean, it's also that's also actually my understanding is that that's also what I mean. Sort of that's one of the issues with the whole epidemic as such, or with, with an epidemic as such. Is it, it's not that it's you know most people who they contract COVID are. Um, are only as likely to die from it as they're likely to die in in that year anyway in the coming year but if you have all those people dying at the same time it's going to put it's going to completely you know if you have too many people dying at the same time or just getting really sick at the same time it's going to completely break the whole system so we, we inhabit a form of kind of advanced capitalism whose whole, whose whole premise is people not algorithms. doing stuff at the same time yeah, yeah. And, it, and it's not doing stuff at the same time well algorithms are slightly different and in a way because also i would say and other people would say you know we've been shifting over the past 10 years out of that sort of classical model of post-fordism into something different again which is a sort of platform economy and the platform economy is basically the world in which it's really it's home deliveries and it's is Amazon is basically does everything, and Amazon is is the kind of logistical framework through which everything happens. So, um, which is sort of has very strong just in time elements, but also has these elements of sort of you know mass warehousing and um, you know and 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 kind of instantaneous you know communication and such. And I think you know, but we're also I think we're seeing the extent to which from all this we're in a sort of you know we're not fully in sort of platform capitalism you know we're not all, we're not actually all able to or if we are it retains elements of you know significant elements of post forwardism which are being put under uh, which are put being put under massive sort of massive massive strain well one of the other one of the other things with platform capitalism is it's all about offloading or, or obscuring costs isn't it basically so amazon can do these, you know, overnight deliveries, really, really cheap, you know, almost eliminating the costs of deliveries. Uh, and it can do that because it just offloads the costs onto a load of other people. Uh, and the, and the, those are normally just hidden, you know. And so, like, I've been really, I'm really thinking about this idea of, like, the dominant form of, like, of autonomy, the feeling that we are autonomous and free and our, our, our way, means of, of acting in the world is, like, based on all of this hidden 
infrastructural work such as all these Amazon deliver, de- delivery people and all of these, you know, uh, Deliveroo riders, etc. And not just that, but also like a whole load of like social reproductive work is always obscured or care work is always obscured. And like one of the things the pandemic's done is it's revealed all of that work. And it's also revealed the conditions under which that work's done, basically. Yeah, totally. All of a sudden, the conditions under which people are working for all of this infrastructure work, like that can be the that can be the difference between whether you get this virus and perhaps die or not. Do you know what I mean? That's so that really incentivizes you to to look at it. No, but I was thinking about like what's the outcome of the of all of this, and I really think there's a crisis for um for the right for like the sort of anti woke right do you know what i mean the denialist right uh and part of that is i think what what it made me think is like the the dominant form of like of the right don't they what they they've got a project almost diametrically opposite to us right because what is the anti-woke right is anti-consciousness raising right it's about like each individual is responsible for their own for the outcomes of their own lives etc there are no structural causes there's no politics etc all of a sudden that's not sustainable anymore like it's quite obvious our lives rely on on the actions of all these other people. Do you know what I mean? And and like the fact that they've got no sick pay means that we're really really vulnerable all of a second. You know, that's one of the ways I've been trying to think this out. And so that means, you know, our our project, which in some part is about like you know trying to think about all of the structural causes and constraints of our lives, that suddenly becomes important. But the things that I mean, you're completely right. The things that have been made visible just in the last two weeks are just, it's just incredible. And, you know, like I probably said at some point, and I said at the beginning of my public service announcement that I'm probably going to write a piece um, on the communication of this. Um, and the, the problem the, the problem that the government's had with being able to do play, basically plain speaking and what it reveals about their politics. And I mean, even if we go back to, you know, we don't know that London is a hotspot, uh, greater London. There's lots of commuting in and out. There's, there's lots of overcrowding. There's lots of moving around. And it took what, a, I mean, it still is unclear to people, like, not unclear to people, sorry. The government is still saying stay at home unless you're a key worker. And there's loads of people who think, well, if I don't go to work, my family's not going to have enough food to eat. And what it's revealed is it's revealed the extent at which this kind of top-down assumption that just because you say something... It means that it will kind of solve the intrinsic social relations um, and economic relations that that exist because people will understand somehow the understanding of the magnitude of the problem, i.e. people are going to die and you need to keep away from other people, is going to trump their need to earn a living. So you've got this situation on the London Underground where I think it's something crazy, like a third of all workers as in who 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 drive drivers who are and and uh, station staff are either ill or at home isolating or taking care of someone so literally we don't have enough trains to run so what you've got is a situation with with at a point there was just overcrowding on the trains because people had to get to work and unless you pay those people and the government's figured this out late <laughs> And it's been shown, you know, it's been obvious to us, you know, as as lefties, like you've got to pay people if you want them to stay at home. Like there's there's no other way. Anyway, I'm absolutely fascinated by this whole like stay at home, save lives thing, which I just think is. Just a point of information, Nadia. They rolled back on that. Only only key workers go to work. 
they rolled back on it the next day and now it's the advice is unless like all people go don't um, go to work unless your work can be done at home which is fucking insane <laughs> so that's why we don't we don't have a full lockdown I and mean, it was the same in italy where they were they were keeping workplaces open and 90 percent of all new infections were coming fri- via workplaces and in the end it took it took like italian unions threatening to go on strike for them to roll back on that yeah, I mean, this, but even like even even that is like there's loads of construction workers which are going to work because yeah. yeah anyway, this is this is a really really big topic of conversation, but it's just there's something in it that's particularly interesting for me about the way that's communicated that has revealed kind of like the ideology and the relationship to the populace, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, it does, and it. I mean, it's also. I mean, it, and it is all concentrated in this idea of essential work, and like, what is essential work? And I think it is, you know, I mean, lots of people are saying this, but it's not. It is an opportunity for a real kind of raising of consciousness over the, what is and isn't essential work. But I mean, what? So, what did we think of the uh, cl- the applause for the NHS? So, I mean, people at, for people listening outside the country, there was a big, there was an event a couple of days ago when um, I don't know where it came from actually. It just circulated through social media. It, it was agreed that people would like stand at their door uh, steps and applaud um, workers in the National Health Service and other kind of care services uh, for for their work. And it, you know, in a lot of places, it really happened. It was really effective. Like the whole kind of street erupted into applause. And but but in the UK, it was an official government. Uh, was it? Thing. I didn't. I know. No, they jumped on the bandwagon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd, yeah okay, did, but that because it was a much more spontaneous thing from civil society because it started off in I think it was in Spain and then in Italy actually. Oh, really? Yeah, but then and here it was much more linked to, and, and so in Spain, Italy, it was it had an element of you know, um, the government isn't doing enough. You know what I mean? Whereas, uh, yeah. So I felt a bit... I'm not sure I agree with you, Keir. This was, a, this was, it was jumped on by the government who said that they supported it. And going back to, to, to answer Jeremy's question, but also to say why I, I kind of disagree with what you're saying, Keir, there, is that um, the... the Okay, I'm trying to try and find a way of formulating this. So, okay, normally... When people, my, I have an instinctive emotional reaction when people say things like celebrate our workers in the NHS, like clap for our workers, let's go on a march to support the NHS. When the NHS is structurally being torn apart and deliberately underfunded and understaffed. And the response by, you know, some unions and organisations and uh, and the press, including the right wing press, is let's clap for these people while, you know, they're they're being worked to to in a ridiculous way and people are becoming ill and the system is falling apart. I have a reaction to that, which is that fuck that, honestly, like if people want to. If people want to support the NHS, then I don't want to see that kind of tokenism. So that's normally how I respond to that sort of things, like things going around on Facebook or whatever about like how amazing our nurses are while like, you know, they're having to work triple shifts and whatever. So that's my normal reaction. In this case, I saw it and I kind of thought the same the same way, but I really kind of was emotionally moved by the fact that this is a monumental point in history and so I was on my online choir at the time we're doing online choir at the moment in, in, in as opposed to like actually meeting each other 
as I'm sure a lot of people are doing with their activities. And, you know, like I live in a suburban, conservative, small C kind of area. Um, I had just organized my street, got an email list, but we I hadn't put anything on there about anything to do with this. And I and we interrupted the choir because everybody wanted to go outside um, and see what was going on. And I went outside my window absolutely thinking nothing is going to happen and I saw my neighbours come out and say nothing's going to happen and then suddenly half of the street came out with pots and pans and for me I this that will be a moment which is which will stay with me for a really long time Um, because if my street can come out and do something collective and recognize themselves in each other then uh, we have massive hope. So that's my really long-winded answer on that. And that was, um, and I do think that people are pissed off with the government. I don't, I don't agree that that people are coming out and doing that action because Boris Johnson said that. I don't think that's true. No, no, I, I, I felt a little bit ambiguous about it. I, I, the actual experience of it was great, really, really great, and. Uh, you know, I'm really, really happy that you have this spontaneous outpouring. I mean, there were fireworks were being set off at my, on my end. Um, like people really, really were into it. You know, um, uh, you know, and I much, I much, I much prefer that to happen around the NHS than, um, you know, clap our troops or something like that. You know of course, I mean? yeah. Um, yes, I, and I, you know, but the thing it brought up for me though was. Like so, so you've got this thing. You've got this sort of half an urge of thinking this is just great. Like basically, people are obviously in a state of really, really worry, and it's coming out through a collective celebration of the NHS, which is the most socialist institution, still the most socialist institution, you know, in the country, you know, if not in bloody Western Europe. Uh, so that is just like a dream come true. <laughs> but the uh, the other half of it, of course, is that everyone's thinking, okay, yeah, well, why did why did fucking forty eight percent of your vote Tory then you thick bastards but um, like which which leads me to like this idea of like I want to just know what a cosmic coincidence it was that um both Corbyn and Sanders those projects end in 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 terms of Sanders it ends like a week before this pandemic comes along which basically proves everything Sanders has been arguing right do you know what I mean I'm so happy Corbyn didn't win the election (laughs) <laughs> I never thought I'd say that, but you know, the I just think I'm really happy that it's the Tories that are having to deal with this and exposing all of their values. And I'm not sure I believe in karma, but I just want to say, Boris, karma's a bitch, mate. This is not this is not the, how you saw your reign over us pan out, and it's exposing a lot to to you know non political people. You know the Tories are on fifty three percent support actually at polls in a minute. That won't last. It's not. It, it's it's more of a, it's more of a an, an effect of the fact that people want to pull together in a really uncertain situation and like we don't know. You know, by the time things really hit the hit the fan, I think that will change. But um, um, yeah, I I think there's a real danger. I mean, I think there's a real danger for the <clears throat> for the there's a real danger for us in that the Tories do that. I mean, the Tory. I mean, Boris, I mean, you know, Johnson. I think doesn't have any ideology and is going to is quite happy to implement a large part of uh, you know what would have been Corbyn's program and take the credit for it and just reinvent the Conservative Party as a sort of economically slightly centre left, you know, um, sort of paternalist, authoritarian 
institution. I mean, and, and it's not just now. I mean, I, I mean, a number of people, you know, I was, a number of people were sort of anticipating that that was quite likely what he was going to do sort of months ago. And I think that is a real. That, I think that's a real danger for us. I mean, I think. It, I mean, I think that definitely is with it. I mean, actually, no. It's none of that is definite at all. That could be what happened. That could take a relatively benign but very frustrating form. That they basically implement a kind of new round of you know, you know decades of, sort of initiate a new round of decades of sort of Keynesian or quasi Keynesian sort of welfare capitalism. Um, but is you know relatively socially liberal, but also highly technocratic, and there's just no real kind of you know there's just no way of even getting any purchase from a kind of democratic left perspective. That could happen. Could take much more author- nasty kind of authoritarian, kind of racist, like you know quasi fascist form. Well, of course, it could well be. I mean, they're already under pressure from sections of capital to say that, that once the crisis is over, it's going to initiate an, an even worse like epoch of austerity. I just think um, I think it could go in in lots of different directions, couldn't it? So I'm not, I don't know whether I'm glad. But I don't know. We don't know right now whether I'm you know I'm glad they've got to deal with it or not. I don't, um, just a minor I, point on. Are you done, Jeremy? Sorry. No, yeah, yeah. Right, okay. Just a minor point on something that Kia said. Just for the record, I don't agree uh, with calling with calling people stupid because they voted Tory. I kind of know why people voted Tory, and people vote Tory for all sorts of reasons. Uh, so even though I hate that that happens, I, I I fundamentally believe that the vast majority of people don't understand, don't know. Uh, about the NHS, how the NHS is being dismantled, and they don't believe that the Tories would ever take away the NHS. So, so in terms of like the vote in the last election, and uh, there's all sorts of different reasons why, and I think we discussed some of them in in the come down. So, I just wanted to say that for myself, for the record, we've got we've got 15 minutes left. What do we want to talk about? Do we want to talk about some of the economic stuff, or do we want to talk about? Like what to do under lockdown, or do we want to do that in a completely different episode, guys? What are your feels? I'd quite like to insult the electorate a bit more. Uh... <laughs> go, on. go on. I said I'd, I'd quite like to insult the electorate a little bit more. <laughs> go on then. <laughs> no, I'm joking. I'm joking. Uh, well, the economic stuff. Can we just refer people to the episode, the Navarra episode with, with James and James and uh, Butler and James Meadway talking? Because we're not really going to add much to that. I don't think let's talk about let's talk about you know the, the experience i mean I'll, I'll make the one political point that i think we're going to find ourselves within the next six months other having to decide like as a as a left as a country to some extent if we if we're going to agitate for a general strike or not because i think we're going to be we are going to find ourselves in a situation where the um they are i mean whatever happens they are going to fi- try to find some way of like passing on the cost of the crisis uh, and they are gonna, uh, and they're not gonna do what they should do after all this, which is double nurses' wages. And I think, I mean, nurses and and the concern for nurses is a really interesting example. You know, it's a point I'm always making to students. It's very hard to find any member of the public and any from whatever their supposed political affiliation who doesn't agree with the statement that it is shocking that nurses are paid so much less than like people working in banks. You know, you know, people working for banks in the city or whatever, and you know, there's, you know, you get maybe five percent of the population who would actually give some bullshit kind of market logic. You know, that's just how it works. You know, justification for that. Like most people think it's recognise it as indeed just morally obscene. And I think, you know, I mean, we're going to have to come out of this crisis with a set of demands from the left that we try and 
make. And, you know, and I think you know, some of them are going to have to be general and structural and some of them are going to have to be symbolic and some of them are going to have to pivot between the two. But yeah, and one of them, which might be largely symbolic, is I think should be just a doubling of nurses' wages. I mean, should just, we should just... And I think, they should, you know, we should say that general strike if there is not a doubling of nurses wages in the nhs because it is just appalling i can't believe that you jeremy who's like who's like more of a hippie i think than me is basically saying general strike and it's making me wince and it's like it's making me (laughs) it's making me question i'm like why 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 am i why why is it's just my idea of like i just feel like that's such a trotty thing to say but you might be Britney, yeah, you might be right. Britney, Britney Spears called for a general strike the other days. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, but I, they, they, this, like, I think it would be interesting to talk about like what the, what does the left do in this situation? Because a general strike would be great, but like you know, basically that is what the economy actually really needs us to go on general strike. That's what the lockdown is. Yeah. No. Well, it, we we can't do I don't, we can't do much until they start to remobilize the economy. That's what I think. Yeah. I mean, James. Meadway's point, which is a good one, and there was a, a big article by someone else in the FT about this, is that look, what makes this a relatively unique crisis is that, that the entire economy is having to be demobilised. Yeah. And all we can do now is prepare for it, which we are doing with podcasts and reading groups. And, you know, yeah. The World Transformed is going to be doing loads of sort of free courses and stuff online. So, you know, watch watch out for that. But uh, I, think, I think it's an interesting thing, though, because if we go back to, like, why are nurses paid so little... Why they're so undervalued? Ultimately, that comes down to the fact that um, it's incredibly hard for people in those sort of caring positions to strike, right? If you do care work, yeah, that's why you ha- that's why you have to have sympathy strikes. That's why yeah. historically, historically, you know, removing the right to strike, the right for, for sympathy strikes in the seventies, you know, was a real, you know, it was an attack on you know the ability of workers in less less vulnerable workers to defend people like nurses. Yeah. But, I, but that's one of the things I think one of like our current condition, right, is so basically what we're all sort of like unable to get together physically. And we're trying to work out at the moment how we organize in that sort of situation where we're all sort of isolated. But like that is the general that is the general our experience now is, is basically just an acceleration of the general direction of travel anyway, which is like it's really hard to get in the way we live our lives. It's really hard to get a load of people in a room together, especially if you live in London. Oh, God, not more meetings. Yeah. No, but that is, you know, or, or uh, basically, they're, they're like, you know, um, we should be using this time to work out how you do things like political education, how you do things such as, you know, um, organise ourselves when we are, when it's difficult to be co-present together. Do you know what I mean? But also like, it's about being, but how do we, how do we stay sane as human beings? Sorry to interrupt you, Kia, but I think there's this, this tendency on the left for people to think about themselves as left political actors rather than also like you are also a human being who is subject to the effects that this extraordinary moment is going to have on your mind and your body, including the pressure cooker situation of people living with other people, it's just going to be more intense because if you like the people you live with, you know, you're in a really lucky situation. Um, there are people who are going to be in living inside a house, stuck inside with loads of people that they don't particularly like or that there are issues. You know, the, the, the rise, don't even get me started on the rise in domestic violence. So sorry to, to move away from the point, but like as leftists, like people just need to also be like a little bit reflective 
and curious in this moment, like as yeah, no, individuals but... and towards other people, or else we're all going to mentally go nuts, and we need to not be nuts for the future. No, no, but like that is that that's the whole point. It's like how do we how do we basically like how do we start from these these shared experiences and you know the pressures that we're under and you know not just like I don't think it's separate to do to thinking about politics and that you know we have to start with those moments and like you know so basically how do you do consciousness raising when you're not all in the same room you know how do that's what political education is political education is like let's try to understand how we've ended up in this situation and how we can get out of it do you know what I mean I don't think it's a I don't think like there's life over here and then politics over over there. I think they're related, and we need to make them more interrelated. Well, what do you think, Nadia? What what can we be doing to help ourselves or other people stay sane in there? Well, I think I mean I think basically we're all in agreement, even though like <laughs> it sounds like we're not from my tone of voice, but um, uh, but. It, it it's so so yes i think of course they're re- related because you know something that we're interested in this in in this show and the stuff that we talk about and you know our kind of like our politics is about you know affect etc but i don't think that um a lot of people on the left behave as that is if that's the case even if they ideologically agree with us so so what i mean by that is like people need to take the time to sort out their household situation and and to have conversations about the rules and regulations of how they're going to behave towards each other, to give each other space, but also solidarity, like over what might be, you know, I'm not joking, we might be here till next spring. So the situation might be that you're thinking about how am I going to survive? Like what, what, how am I going to treat other people and what do I expect and what are my needs and how can I negotiate that with the immediate group of people I live in, live with, whether they're like my family or housemates or whatever. We have to start from that point because there's only there's only so much time where you'll be able to escape online talking to your comrades when something's going to go wrong in the immediate vicinity that you live in and you won't be able to physically escape because we're, we're not allowed to. We have to spend most of our times indoors. And I know people don't like authority that listen to this show, I'm sure, but I'm, I'm sorry, I'll be bad cop. Like, we need to be staying indoors for the vast majority of time. So so that's the things that I would I would urge people to sort out. Like, you know, if you live... like. If yeah, what? How are you going to sort out your household arrangements? Like, when are you going to have your movie nights? When are you going to be quiet? When? When? Who's going to do what rota on what? Now, and then the poli- the, the the high level politics comes later. That's that's how I'm thinking about it. I mean, obviously, I'm spending time with with the person I like the most, which is myself. So I'm in a pretty good situation, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, well, it's going to be mean, hard I... for me. Don't get me wrong. It's going to be hard for me because I can't see any other human being. But we have to play a really long game emotionally with this because I, I do not trust that we're going to be out of this in a few weeks. No I can't way. get away from myself. It keeps following me around. It's a fucking nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I do, well, I, yeah, obviously I agree with all that. I guess, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm at home with my partner and two kids, so we've sort of been fought, we have to, we have, we've had to do that. There's been no choice for to work out a, a sort of system and work out what we're doing. And, and I guess I guess also the wider, the other advice, I mean, the general advice is our usual. I mean, usually the, the stuff people are going to need to do is stuff that we, we normally advocate, isn't it? You know, a bit of exercise, 
bit of meditation if you're up for that you know music i think you know i'm listening to a lot of ambient music personally um think you know use i think the you i think it's a good to reflect on how people are using how, how one uses social media i think i mean i think it can be really useful yeah i think i've had a lot of fun just kind of joking around with people on twitter and not you know nobody's bothering doing arguments because everybody's just kind of treating the situation ironically but and, you know but that's a kind of help yeah there are good and bad ways to use it and you need to be careful i'm not sure um i'm not sure uh, uh you know not not sure what else to add, really. But well, I think nature it's... as well. I mean, well, the, nature, the, I was the, say, the little yeah, bits of nature that we can yeah. get, like approaching, you know, this is going to sound re- even more hippie-ish than the stuff that Jeremy says, but like approaching, I've said the word curiosity three times already in this, uh, <laughs> in this uh, edition, but, but like, honestly, I think like the birds know in my garden, like I'm an avid bird watcher, but... But honestly, it, the, it's so interesting how the wildlife is responding. I mean, I don't know enough about pollution indexes. I mean, obviously, the pollution, that's a, that's a whole other issue has dropped. But, but it, it just feels a bit like, um, it's like nature's having its time away from us. And the stuff that I've observed just in my garden and the fact that it's in spring, and I wrote about this in my blog post, like, please don't miss spring because you're staring at a computer like take it in and and yeah just also, think about yeah just 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 allow yourself to like revel in the the little bits of nature that you can get from your walk or your garden or out your window or whatever and yeah you know, if you're in a city i mean the quietness the change to the sonic kind of la- landscape is pretty extraordinary and, it, and it's sort of fantastic actually I don't know if anyone saw the other day, but Venus was incredibly bright in the, yeah, in the sky. Yeah, I did I, see that. Before I worked out, well, I sort of worked out it was Venus, but before I realised it was a widespread thing, I was thinking, what? could it possibly be that there's less light pollution? I don't think that's prob- that's true, but it just seemed as though everything had shut down and you could all of a sudden, you know, you have this huge, huge planet in the sky, etc. They're presumably, I don't know, maybe, the, I mean, most street, most light pollution is from street lights. Yeah. But I guess there's places where lots of like pubs and stuff are shut down. Yeah, less yeah. cars driving about, perhaps headlights, etc. I don't know, anyway, that's speculation. Yeah, I'm also worried about people, like, I'm worried about people's drinking, to be honest. I mean, I'm critical of alcohol at the best of times. You know, I don't, like, I'm not teetotal, but. Um, I'm worried that there are people who will just, you know, they can't go to the pub or they can't meet their friends, so they're just going to drink their way through this. And, like, one of the main things that will kill your immunity is overconsumption of alcohol. I know a lot of people who will listen to this show and otherwise have a high tolerance, you know, like, good for you. Um, but uh, but I, I'm, I'm worried about people's health and their... Uh, you know, even if it's not for themselves, for like the pressure on the NHS, if people just start drinking like crazy and suppressing their immunity, I think um, I think uh, logistical problems and the difficulty of shopping is going to cut down on a lot of people. Oh, the, the booze is. I think the booze the industry booze is, is doing really well. <laughs> I got a um, I got a beer delivery from my uh, local social centre. Of course you did. Of course <laughs> well, you, did. you know, a uh, bit of solidarity, etc. Um, can I just say, though, I think I also do think that this like at the moment, I think like making sure we don't go nuts and working out how we're going to survive. This is pretty important. But like, we cannot come out the other end of this. We have to come out the other end of this, having, you know, done a lot of political work as much as we can, 
because um, already, you know, we can see that people are lining up to, to dump the costs onto us. Do you know what I mean? So we need to come out of this with, you know, as much of a stronger organisation, as much of a better grip on the world. And also just thinking about ways that you can still exercise leverage, such as rent strikes, etc., which have been which have been mooted and how you might possibly organise those when it's much more difficult to, to talk to the neighbours. Yeah, and I think I think I think you're completely right. And I go back to my uh, the thing that I was talking about about organizing your own street. Um, yeah. I just think like it's probably like the best bit of organizing that has followed exactly the trajectory that I hoped it would. It's the best bit of organizing I've done in in years, and I know that my street is not going to be the same afterwards. And I think. There is a lot of power in that. I think Jeremy talked about this on one of the earlier episodes when we were talking about, you know, like just 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 being able to be social with other people and, and demonstrate that, that people can help each other. Like that has a profound uh, polit- political effect. But you're right, Kia. We have to make sure that things don't go uh, back to normal, which is maybe why we should have an episode on acid strategy. Boring. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> but also good. Mm. Well, I think we will do that, but not today. It's time to stop. Yep. Okay, stay safe, everyone. Yep, stay, stay safe. safe, everyone. And we'll speak to you soon. Wash Bye. your hands and stay away <laughs> from other human beings. This is not a drill. This is not a joke. Honestly. All right, I'm going to stop. All right. Bye. broadcast is brought to you by Novara Media. Go to novaramedia.com slash support.